nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scoured the globe with top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So welcome back to the Matter Over Mind Experience. Of course, I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And today I have for you Damon Sunan. Sanasuk. I don't even know if I got that right, but he's going to tell me in a little bit. But uh, Damon serves as the uh, Chief Executive Officer of Natural Cure Labs LLC, operating as Palmyra Health and Vita Tales brand supplements. He has an internationally decorated career in health, technology, and entrepreneurial leadership. And his work and travel have taken him to more than, check this out, 70 countries across six continents. He is also the founder and president of multi-award winning companies. This ain't companies. That's the word I got wrong. Not his last name, but that's the word I got wrong. It's companies. Interesting, right? Including an industry-recognized strategy consulting firm with a global client base. So today... What are we going to talk about? Monolaurin, a supplement made from coconut oil that has some new incredible research supporting its potential benefits on immune and skin health. And we were talking uh, before the episode about we're not, going to, we're not here trying to heal anybody. So we're not going to tell you to take Monolaurin and all of a sudden, oh my God, I have no more health problems anymore. That's not what we're going to get into. But we're going to talk about the benefits, again, the coconut oil, because my listeners know about MCTs, you know, um, medium chain triglycerides, and how it can be beneficial. But we're going to get into it a little bit more in this episode. And of course, what's the hack of the episode? The benefits of getting coconut oil in our health routine. So there we go. And with that being said, Let's welcome Damon to the show. Hey, Damon, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. Thank you for being here, my friend. Let the audience know about more about yourself and your work. Yeah, happy to. Thanks for that really kind and, and very generous introduction. So, um, so like you said, my name's Damon. You got you nailed the last name. It's pronounced Sunan Tanasuk, but Damon's totally fine. Something I've been dealing with my entire life. Um, yeah, I'm the founder and CEO of Natural Cure Labs. Uh, we are a nutrition company that supplies uh, research-based uh, supplements for both people and their pets. We've been around since 2015, so celebrating our seventh year this year. And um, we're a mission-driven company, right? Every product we produce, as I mentioned, is based on research and is meant to help serve you know, some of the 28 million Americans that don't have any health insurance and some of the 58 million adults who who may suffer from something called medication insecurity where they can't gain access to the um, the helpful therapeutics that they may need to, to stay healthy. And um, the company, like I said, was formed in 2015 in San Francisco. 
Uh, we now have uh, operations in uh, in Florida with uh, manufacturing facilities in three different states and um, uh, let's see, uh, distribution facilities in over 33 different states. So we've grown a lot. Uh, we've got a, a, an amazing uh, group of folks that um, are behind the scenes, making sure that you know people gain access to these um, these hopefully you know very supporting and and ideally you know sort of life changing um, types of products. And it is life changing. It's a, it's my audience knows this story, but for those who haven't listened to me before, I used to be on three medications of, uh, and I was between. I had uh, allergy issues, asthma issues. I have other things that I weren't even on medication for, like blood pressure problems, which eventually I was going to be, and uh, my eczema, right? Which I've had to take things from time to time, but not prescription. And it's been, since making my lifestyle changes, I'm going on over three years and I'm off all my medications, no asthma issues, no allergy problems. I don't even know when, when it's pollen season anymore. Um, and that comes through healing my gut and having and using coconut oil, having coconut oil in my diet, getting those medium chain triglycerides has been a staple in me improving the health of my gut as well. So I'm glad we're going to have this conversation. And with that being said, tell us about Manolorin, its history, discovery and composition. Yeah, happy to. And before I, I dive into that, I, I wanted to first congratulate you on, on making that big lifestyle uh, shift away from, you know, some of the more traditional pharmaceuticals uh, and more to, I guess, a more balanced lifestyle. Uh, like like we said before the show began, uh, there's no magic bullet here that we're going to be talking about. Um, you know, Supplements by their definition in nature are supplemental to a, a series of lifestyle choices that you can make, which contain, amongst other things, you know, eating the right things, getting the right amount of rest, reducing stress, getting exercise and physical activity, it's part of this overall formula that people uh, may consider, you know, uh, sort of ad adopt and embrace as, as a series of lifestyle choices. And today, although we're talking about the supplement component of it, it's it is just one component, right? And um, the other thing you mentioned is like, look, hey, I've been able to sort of shed myself from these more traditional uh, medicines, and that's really outstanding and very admirable of you. And again. Why, while we'll be talking mostly about a supplement path, um, you know, we're not here to say that medicine's bad <laughs> of any means. We, we think that maybe um, it's the sort of first uh, solution that people gravitate to, but may not necessarily need to be the first solution. You know, there could be lifestyle changes, there could be supplements, there could be uh, botanicals or herbal extracts, whatever it may be, to help, you know, provide your body and your immune system the support it, it needs before you sort of like, uh, jump to the sort of the you know Western medicine path, but um, I just wanted to like congratulate you again on on the amazing work you're doing, and and uh, you know it's an inspiration to all of your listeners and to myself included that you know hey there is a path forward you know that that's you know, fueled by these lifestyle choices. Thanks, Dave, and I want to say I thank you so much for that. That's really mean, meant a lot to me, really, because uh, it's it, it's it has been a journey. But I do want to say this: food is medicine but food is not medication. And I'll be very clear on that because a lot of times we, I've had people come to me, if I eat this, will it make me feel better? If I eat this, would I have more energy? If I eat that, I, no, that's not how food works. Because sometimes it is about taking stuff out of your diet. And Dr. Steve Gunja talks about this. What we don't eat is more important than what we do eat. 
right? So just trying to say, oh, I'm going to eat this or drink that. I'm going to drink some kombucha. That should make me feel good, you know, or, or, or eat some fermented, I don't know, some pickles or something, some fermented food and kimchi. I'm going to be great. That's going to help my gut. That's not necessarily the case, especially if you're not doing all those other things you talk about and you're not removing the things that is causing the chronic inflammation, oxidative stress in the first place. That's a, that's great. Really, really great clarification point you make there. And look, um, I'm sure in today's conversation, we can sort of unpack a lot of these really great concepts. But um, going back to your original question, sorry for derailing us a little Go bit, ahead. but uh, right. Monolaurin um, was first discovered and isolated in the 1960s. Monolaurin occurs in, in nature through the form of lauric acid. Lauric acid is a medium chain fatty acid, medium chain triglyceride, that uh, 12 carbon atom chain triglyceride triglyceride that exists in uh, in three common areas in nature. Uh, the first and most provocative maybe is in human breast milk. It constitutes around six and a half percent of human breast milk. And so infants intake this as part of their, their diet when, when they're weaning. The second uh, most common place is in uh, palm kernel oil. So lauric acid is around 48%, 49% of, of the fatty acid content of palm kernel. And finally, uh, coconut oil, which is what we'll be talking about mostly today. And uh, lauric acid is about half, about 50% of the fatty acid content of, uh, of coconut oil. And so in the 1960s, when um, monolaurin and lauric acid were, were initially isolated and, and really researched in earnest, uh, it has a pretty interesting uh, hypothesis. And, and again, I'm, I'm not quite sure if this is completely true, but I, I love the story. And so I'll share it with you today. Um, the story is that there was a, a scientist who was in, investigating the health and wellness of, of infants. And uh, as you and, and many of your listeners may know, uh, infants, when they're born, um, are really susceptible to external diseases because they haven't been, their immune system has not been stimulated. They have not been exposed to, um, you know, pathogens to sort of build up that immune tolerance and that, um, that immune response. And, but curiously, uh, infants uh, are not habitually getting sick. They're not always um, sort of succumbing to, to pathogens. And the research that was undertaken was meant to explore that. And so the first place, or one of the most obvious places that um, the scientists looked at was the diet of the infant, right? So if you analyze the content of human breast milk, you find that there are some really interesting um, you know, aspects of it, one of them being this lauric acid content. And like I said, lauric acid is a, uh, constitutes around 6.5% of human breast milk. It can fluctuate based on uh, the region, the ethnicity, the diet of the mother, et cetera. But uh, so that sort of kicked off the journey of lauric acid and monolaurin. And, and what does it really mean, right? How does it help you, your gut, your skin, your, your overall immune health? And um, so this was, gosh, uh, that's 60 years ago. <laughs> so monolaurin has been around for a, a long time. Um, the research is really fascinating. And, and um, you know, uh, for compliance reasons, we're not going to get too specific today, but the research suggests that, you know, monolaurin may have an impact on, on certain pathogens that, um, you know, were tested in in vitro and in, in, in vivo studies. Um, in vitro means like in the lab, in a, in a Petri dish, basically. And in vivo means in a body. Um, it could mean in a human body, but uh, from many of these studies, it means in a laboratory um, you know, subjects like, uh, like a rabbit or a mouse or something like that. 
And uh, the conclusion of, of these studies, or what the study suggested was that, wow, okay, there are some interesting potential micro, um, uh, you know, antimicrobial properties, you know, maybe some antibacterial properties, et cetera, that are worth further exploration. And, um, you know, the studies gained some traction and monolaurin started to be implemented in, in commercial settings, right? First, in the food production and cosmetic um, industries. So food and cosmetics need to, needs to be safe uh, and shelf stable, right? Uh, you don't want your food or your cosmetics growing something on the shelf. And so monolorum was introduced to help support the shelf stability of, of food and cosmetics. It's also used to aid the transportation of many foods, fruits, and vegetables. So when fruits and vegetables are bruised during transport, they can, you know, sort of start to grow funky stuff and spoil the whole the whole bunch, right? And if monolaurin is sprayed, is coated to the outside of like avocados or oranges, uh, it can help aid the transportation of, of these fruits and vegetables. And more recently, it's been used in the meat production industry. So um, meat uh, producing facilities that want to be a little bit more natural, a little bit more organic, um, and don't want to use harsh chemicals as cleaning agents will actually use monolaurin to clean flat surfaces, like cutting surfaces, for example, because again, monolaurin um, by its nature exhibits some antimicrobial, antibacterial properties, um, you know, as indicated through some of these studies. So that's pretty fascinating stuff, right? And it wasn't until a little bit more recently, I think the 80s perhaps, or maybe the 90s, where monolaurin began to gain popularity as a supplement, right? And, uh, you know, we can unpack, you know, what that looks like and the forms that it comes in, but, uh, you know, in addition to cosmetics and, and food production, um, monolaurin is taken as a, as a supplement. It, it's uh, actually glycerol monolauride is the, um, the chemical term for it. And it's found on the FDA's GRASS list. list. Now GRASS, is an acronym which stands for generally recognized as safe. And so, you know, all of your <laughs> foods and vegetables need to be grass, right? If you're going to consume them and ideally all of your supplements as well. And uh, so it's great news that monolaurin and glycerol monolaurate, lauric acid, these, you know, medium chain fatty acids are all found on, on uh, the FDA's grass list. So, you know, people have embraced it as a supplement and, and that's what uh, we're here to talk about today. So I have a follow-up because later on, we're going to talk about the benefits of coconut oil in our health routine, right? But however, what would be the difference in someone um, using coconut oil versus monolaurin? Yeah, that's a really great question. So again, coconut oil is about 50% lauric acid. And that's really the hero of the story here because lauric acid is converted to monolaurin in the body. The rate of conversion is not well-documented. It's not fully understood I'm sure there are many attributes that can impact the conversion of lauric acid to monolaurin, you know, uh, the individual's constitution, their height, weight, gender, et cetera, could all potentially impact the conversion. So you could absolutely gain uh, access and some of the health benefits from monolaurin by eating uh, coconut flesh, consuming coconut oil, but, um, you may not know how much of the beneficial attributes from the lauric acid and monolaurin you're actually getting. Now we've done some internal calculations to see, okay, look, 
I don't really want to take monolaurin in its capsule or pill form. Like, why don't I just eat a bunch of coconut oil through my daily routine? You know, a, a couple of spoonfuls and maybe my, my coffee in the morning, I can cook with it, I can bake with it, whatever it may be. Now, the average monolaurin capsule is around 600 milligrams. Now, when you do the conversion, uh, when you take like the, the weight and density of coconut oil, you'll need about six and a half teaspoons of coconut oil to equate one 600 milligram capsule of monolaurin in its supplement form. Um, a, a, maybe an average uh, person who's taking monolaurin as a dietary supplement may take up to six capsules a day, right? Two with breakfast, two with lunch, two with dinner. So when you combine, you know, six and a half teaspoons, six times, uh, that's almost a cup of coconut oil. It's 0.81 cups of coconut oil. And for some people that, you know, that may not be realistic. It may not be very pleasant. And so that's why a lot of people choose uh, monolaurin in its supplemental form. Uh, and it also sounds like given that um, coconut oil is converted to monolaurin in the body, it's already in its usable form. It doesn't have to just be broken down or converted. So that sounds like another benefit to that as well. So thank you for sharing. And with that being said, where can, can we talk about, you know, people doing their own research and not just taking what we say, right? So where can people go find and perform their own research? Exactly. Yeah. And, and as we were discussing earlier before we, we started the show is I, I would love to sort of yell from, from the rooftops, like all the amazing research, which is out there. But uh, as a representative of a, of a supplement company, who's doing their their best to be as compliant as possible. The best thing we can do is is enable and arm uh, individuals to perform their own research. Because, like you said, why should they trust me? <laughs> I may I may have a vested interest in telling only the good things about monolaurin and maybe not the bad things. For example, so I highly encourage everyone listening today uh, to go out and, and do your own research. And and I have three amazing sites for folks to check out. The first is uh, from the National Institutes of Health. It's a site called PubMed. PubMed is great. Um, it's a research database of a lot of the academic, peer-reviewed, sort of gold standard research which exists. It's all uh, you know, multi-center, placebo-controlled, double-blinded studies. And this is a really, really fascinating resource to find um, information and research articles on monolaurin, lauric acid, uh, glycerol monolaurate. It functions very similarly to Google. There's a search bar at the top. When you go to PubMed, you plug in your search terms. It could be monolaurin and whatever it is you're looking to research on, whether it's you know, gut health, uh, skin health, uh, immune health, et cetera. And you'll get several hundred peer-reviewed research studies. So I highly recommend PubMed, um, you know, NCBI. Uh, the next uh, website I'd like to recommend is actually a Google website. It's called Google Scholar. It casts a little bit of a wider net. Google Scholar is, is just like PubMed, where it really tries to focus on the academia and the research on the literature, not on opinion papers, for example. And uh, Google, it, you know, Google Scholar, I should say, is exactly like Google. You've got the search bar, you search for lauric acid and some health question you may have, and it'll, it'll return thousands of results. It's a really, really powerful tool. Now, the interesting thing about PubMed and Google Scholar is, um, you know, they're returning you these academic articles, but they may be, they're not the most uh, accommodating or friendly written pieces, right? They they have lots of numbers in it, these lots of Latin, um, you know, they're written for a very particular audience, which may or may not be of interest to people listening to the show. 
So the third website I'd like to recommend is, is one that sort of takes the research and boils it down into more digestible, uh, short format, you know, thousand word articles. And that website is called monolaurenandmore.com. So monolaurin and more is a really cool website. It's a third party website. It's not affiliated with any particular company or brand. It's just research. And it's just research, which again, has been reviewed and, and has all the citations from the articles that it's, um, it's referencing. So if you go to Monolearn and more, you click on health articles, you'll see that the, you know, there's around 70 or so health articles there and they're categorized by research. And um, I guess the, the area for, of which the research focuses, whether that you know, I'm looking at the website now, it talks about digestion and gut health. It talks about autoimmune diseases and bacterial infections and biofilms and uh, things like Epstein-Barr or, or herpes simplex viruses. And these are really uh, interesting and, and very relevant topics for, for many um, you know, listeners. And uh, again, it, it distills a lot of the you know, complexity that comes from these academic articles into a little bit more accessible uh, short format uh, articles with all of the direct citations and all of the uh, sort of quotes uh, and references listed there. So uh, those three um, uh, resources, I think, are a really great way to get started on doing your own research. Again, that's, you know, uh, PubMed, which is uh, from the National Institutes of Health. It's Google Scholar. And it's a highly specialized um, website called monolaurinandmore.com. So um, my audience, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of PubMed. That's my favorite site. I actually read basically a study every day. Um, I go through it for like 30 minutes or so, read through the articles. And I do a short every weekend. And I don't know if you've heard any of mine where I break down, uh, I break down studies or I break down a particular habit. And usually I get my information from PubMed. Um, and for anyone who wants your own research, PubMed also has an app. I think Google Scholar does as well, but I know PubMed has an app. So just think about that. And then if you're not a geek like myself or maybe even Damon, Monolaurin and more is going to make your life a lot easier. So just must go, go there and get the layman's terms, as they may say it. Uh, now, with that being said, um, are all your supplements the same? And what should someone consider when selecting a supplement if they're not? Yeah, great question. So Monolaurin has gained a lot of popularity in the last uh, couple of decades as a, as a dietary supplement. And the reality is that um, you know, not all Monolaurin supplements are created equal. Um, you, and you can get, gather this walking down the aisles of your local Walgreens or CVS. There are just tons of options out there, lots of brands, and um, some of them excellent and uh, very, um, you know, above board and, and very compliant and others less so, right? So there are a few things to, to look out for when, when selecting and, and pursuing monolaurin as a dietary supplement. Um, the first thing is you, you should probably consider, well, what format of monolaurin is going to work best for me as an individual? Uh, monolaurin really comes in three different um, delivery uh, mechanisms. One is a loose powder. Um, it's a very sticky... Um, white soapy like powder, uh, which is great if you're going to maybe uh, encapsulate your own capsules at home, maybe as a hobby or so, if you want to combine it with something else. But if you were to put the monolaurin powder in something like applesauce or pudding, if you have a hard time swallowing pills, um, it's a really, really tough, very bitter, very soapy 
um, flavor to get past. It really coats the mouth and it's almost impossible to get rid of. So I, I really don't recommend, recommend buying the loose powder. It's really, really unpleasant. Um, the second type of monolaurin delivery is uh, pellets, which is very unique. Uh, I don't know if many people are familiar with this delivery mechanism, but you have these very small BB-sized teardrop-shaped pellets, um, which come usually in, in a bottle or a, or a bag. And you take a scoop of pellets and you sort of swallow them whole. You don't chew them or crush them. And, and you, you take them with a cool liquid because a warm liquid would cause them to start dissolving um, potentially in your mouth. And pellets are a really awesome way to gain um, like high volumes of, of monolaurin. Like one scoop, I think, is something like five grams maybe of, of monolaurin, depending on the brand, depending on the pellet size. But there are some drawbacks and considerations to pellets. Um, you know, pellets by their nature are encapsulated in, in, uh, in glycerol which for some individuals can be a little bit hard on the stomach and can be hard to di digest. Um, you know, uh, if you look at any of the reviews for monolaurin pellets, you know, some uh, consumers indicate that, you know, you know, gosh, I, I took a bunch of these monolaurin pellets in the morning and by the afternoon, I, I sort of, I found them in the toilet right after I went to the bathroom. So even though it says like you're taking five grams in a scoop, you may not know how much you're actually getting because they pass through your digestive tract, like, undigested. And that's, that's not great. Um, you know, monolaurin pellets, uh, may be, uh, subject to you know, uh, extreme heat or cold. Like if they sit in a mailbox, you know, all day, you may just have a brick of monolaurin pellets in, in your mailbox. And, um, and they're just not very convenient for travel or whatever, but you know, those are some of the uh, considerations for pellets. Um, you know, the final delivery is, is monolaurin capsules. And that, that's what, that's where we focus. That's where we spend a lot of our time, um, you know, focused on and, uh, you know, pellet, I'm sorry, capsules, uh, we like capsules because, um, they digest fully in, in the, the small intestine. Um, you know, they're easily tolerated. They can come in, in many sizes. If you're you know, sensitive to, um, you know, swallowing, uh, large pills, you can get a smaller capsule if you wanted to. Uh, and capsules also come in, in vegan, uh, or animal-based, uh, shells, right? So, uh, it could be, you know, the, the capsule itself could be derived from uh, animal product, or it could be from, uh, you know, uh, plant cellulose. So uh, our capsules are all vegan plant cellulose-based capsules. So the first decision to make is, you know, hey, what format am I going to enjoy <laughs> monolaurin in? Um, and the, the second is, like, what is the source of the monolaurin, right? Because we taught, as we talked about, monolaurin can come from... Um, coconut oil, or it could come from palm kernel oil. It's still around 50% of the fatty acids found in these two uh, plant oils, but there are some other considerations, right? Some people uh, claim that uh, coconut oil is maybe the more pure, the more, more potent, the higher quality uh, version of monolaurin. But you know, for us, it's less about that. It's more about the secondary uh, considerations as it, as it relates to um, you know, harvesting uh, uh, oils from coconut and palm. Uh, because there could be, you know, environmental impacts from from palm kernel oil farming. So palm kernel oil is traditionally farmed in sensitive environments in Indonesia and and, and East Asia. I'm sorry, in South Asia, etc. And uh, it's leading to a lot of deforestation and the displacement of endangered species like the orangutan. Right. So whether it's because you think uh, the coconut source is higher quality or it's because you want to be very conscious of the environmental impact. We think that coconut is, is the, we like the coconut uh, variant versus the palm kernel, right? 
there's another consideration, uh, which is not one which is very commonly known, which is called an excipient. So an excipient is just a fancy technical term for um, a lubricant or a flow agent, uh, because it, within the uh, manufacturing process of any capsule or, or, or tablet, um, the equipment is, is very sensitive, high-speed industrial equipment, which requires a certain amount of flow in order to fill all the capsules uniformly. In order to achieve this flow, you need, you need some sort of lubricant, right? And that lubricant is called an excipient. And so if you turn the average bottle around to the back, you look at the supplement facts panel, Below, directly below that, there's going to be a line that says like other ingredients, right? One ingredient will be the capsule, and it, it should say whether it's vegetarian or animal-based. And the other ingredient will almost always be the excipient. A ver very common, very popular excipient is magnesium stearate or even silica. Now, the challenge with magnesium stearate is it's artificial in nature, and it some studies suggest that it could uh, slow the absorption of the supplement you're trying to take. And for some sensitive individuals, it may actually cause stomach upset, right? So we recommend looking for a product which has an excipient that, um, that is natural. Uh, for example, we use organic rice powder for our excipient. It's very well tolerated. It has the same industrial uh, application, but without a lot of the negative uh, impacts, right? And then, you know, after those th big three considerations, you know, then you can start looking at the company itself, right? So does a company uh, use and advertise the fact that they use a current good manufacturing processes? Are they accredited by UL or NSF? You know, are their facilities FDA registered? Do they send their products out for third-party testing by an ISO 17025 accredited laboratory? Uh, these are all standard operating procedures that every company should implement. But unfortunately, they don't always do that because it's it's time consuming, it's expensive, and not everyone seeks out this information. But uh, you know, if I'm uh, the belief that if you're going to put something in your body, you, you should do the appropriate amount of research to understand like, is this a good product? Is it safe? Is the company who's producing it, you know, um, authoritative in the space? And are they following? Are they compliant? Are they following a lot of the rules? So. Uh, if the if the bottle or the website doesn't say these things like GMP and and third party tested et cetera, it, it may not be. So those are some of the considerations when you seek out a monolorum product. I've heard uh, I've been in this industry for a while, as you can know that, and I've heard stories of uh, people using sawdust and uh, putting it in their uh, in protein powder. Like it's it's insane. And and in fact, that you say that. Some companies are not third-party tested and verified. Most companies, supplement companies, are not third-party tested right. and verified. So we have to be very careful and uh, with, with the things that we put in our bodies, where we're getting it from. Yeah, like I was talking to one of my friends earlier, actually right before this interview, and I was telling her about the essential amino acids that I use. And the one that I use costs about $50 a pop. And it's third-party tested and verified, the company that I get it from. But I can also go on Amazon and find one for 19, 20 bucks. Now, if, on top of it being third party tested and verified, the one that I use has four ingredients along with the essential aminos. You go to Amazon and you look at you look at what the back and it has like 10 different ingredients. Half of them I can't even pronounce. So which one do you think I'm going to go with? I know what beet 
Uh, I know what beats look like <laughs> they use or, you know, use it for these for coloring and so on and so forth. I don't know what half of this stuff is. So we really have to sit here and think about what we're putting in our bodies. So thank you so much. That's a very comprehensive list, my friend. And with that being said, that brings us to the hack of the episode. We're going to talk about the benefits of coconut oil in our health routine. Lay it on us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, coconut oil has been enjoyed and studied for a long time. And, um, you know, as we indicated or suggested earlier in the show, uh, you know, it could have a, a benefits on skin health, on hair and nails, on digestion and overall immune health. And um, but equally so, as you know, as we said in the beginning of the show, there's not too much we can get explicit about today, but we can guide people to help help them do their own research. Right. So, look, you know, coconut oil, like I said, has is rich in these and like you said is rich in medium chain triglycerides. And the research behind MCTs are, are very, very rich and, and very deep and worth further exploration. And of these MCTs, lauric acid is half of them, right? So 50% of the MCTs you're getting when you consume coconut oil are these, or is lauric acid, which gets further converted to monolaurin. And I think, you know, from a health perspective, that's that's where we're we're most interested in today. Because, you know, as I said at the top, look, we're deliberate about the ingredients we choose. We're very thoughtful and, and formulaic in how we seek out uh, uh, ingredients that we choose to manufacture and put inside our products. And the research behind lauric acid and in turn monolaurin um, is just really powerful, really convincing, and, and again, worth further exploration. All of our products are, are focused on supporting overall immune health, supporting digestive health, and... Um, you know, are meant to be, you know, part of someone's daily routine. Um, again, if coconut oil is, is part of your daily routine, but not to the extent you'd like it to be, like you maxed out on its cooking, you're maxed out on, on you know, putting it in your coffee, well, then maybe supplementation can help 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 you bridge the gap and get to get you where you want to be from a sort of a therapeutic intake, right? And, um, you know, monolaurin is, is great because it, it is, like I said, uh, listed on the FDA's grass list and can be taken as sort of like a daily driver. Um, a lot of people choose to take uh, monolaurin um, daily as part of their overall supplement routine, just as you would a, a vitamin D or a vitamin E or a vitamin C supplement. And um, yeah, again, like if you were to go to any of those three websites that we teased earlier in today's show, um, you know, PubMed or, or Google Scholar or Model or and more, uh, you know, there's plenty of of um, of amazing you know results that you can get from uh, from searching coconut oil benefits, from searching monolaurin benefits, um, lauric acid and its benefits, etc. I'm just pulling up one right now. Um, on this monolaurin and more website, which you know explores some of the other fatty acids that come in in coconut oil. So, like we said, lauric acid's half, but what's the other half, right? Well, the other half is is constituted of uh, capric um, acid and also caprylic acid. And so, uh, you know, these medium chain fatty acids, um, you know, may also have other uh, benefits as it relates to um, you know digestion. Um, issues, um, you know, uh, this article sort of teases out some, you know, uh, absorption challenges that people may have stemming from celiac disease or, or other, uh, you know, gastrointestinal uh, challenges, um, you know, it talks about the caloric content if you choose to separate out these, uh, these different acids. So, 
Um, again, like, it, you know, we're doing our best to be as compliant as possible. So I can't get too, too explicit, but I really encourage people to, to seek out a lot of the information um, for themselves and educate themselves on the benefits. Yeah, do your own research. And if it comes to the point that you think, you know what, I need some more MCTs in my life, here comes Lauren. Or you know what, you can at least start with coconut oil if you don't get any in your life at all right now anyway. But then getting um, a higher amount in a, in a state that's already converted, easier for, it makes it easier on your digestive system. That's something to definitely, definitely think about. And another benefit that um, we didn't bring up, but for my keto friends out there, I cycle ketosis. I do it a few times a year or different times. I'm not going to get into that whole story, but I'm a keto cycler. But some people are not just keto cycle. They're, they believe in keto and that's what they follow. That's what they believe. This is something to think about as well as a part of your, as a part of adding to your diet um, to help you because people on ketosis do get a lot of fats in their diet anyway. But now you can add in monolaurin into that protocol that can definitely be beneficial for you too. So thank you so much for everything, Damon. You're awesome, man. This is a lot of good information. I think you have something to say before I move on. Oh, I was going to say, um, just going back to your, your point on keto, um, there's a great article on that monolaurin and more website that unpacks the, maybe some of the health benefits of, of keto that, that include like hunger suppression and you know, potential weight loss or increased energy expenditure or whatever. But it also deep dives into Montalorin's role and some of those benefits and additional health benefits that come from it. And it's such a great article. All has all the citations and references there. Uh, again, I encourage folks to check it out. Perfect. And with that being said, what if someone is like, okay, I've heard enough. I've done my research. I want some Montalorin in my life. How can they do so? Great. Yeah, exactly. So you know, seek out those trustworthy brands. Um, you know, e- brands of Montalorin can be found um, on most online marketplaces like Amazon and Walmart and, and Wish and eBay and those, those, those different sites. Or you can go straight to um, you know, the, the brand's website. You know, for us, that would be naturalcurelabs.com. But we're not here to promote any particular brand. We're just here to help with education. And then after you've acquired the Montalorin, uh, then you have to figure out how to take it, right? So, uh, you know, we talked about, well, Montalorin's a lot more concentrated than just eating coconut oil. So could you overdo it? You know, is there a proper way to, you know, consume Montalorin? Um, So there are actually three uh, generally recognized ways to consume Montalorin, right? One is like the low and slow introductory method. And uh, I don't know if you've come across this or maybe your listeners have but uh have you heard of the herxheimer reaction or a no, die-off reaction yeah so this was something that this is a, a phenomenon uh, discovered by joseph herxheimer in the 1970s and uh what it describes is this perverse very ironic reaction to uh, the die-off of a pathogen within your body so let's say you you have some sort of ailment and you take a bunch of antibiotics right and the bacteria in your system dies off very rapidly. Now, when a pathogen dies, it, it releases these protein endotoxins into your, into your system, into your bloodstream, which your body has to go gather up and clean up. Well, the rapid release of these protein endotoxins into your system um, triggers an immune-like response, like an inflationary response from your body, which has 
um, symptoms that are ironically similar to like a cold or flu. Like you, maybe you get like some body aches or chills or a low grade fever. And that's your body's reaction to like the rapid die off of this pathogen from taking an antibiotic. Now, the concept here is, you know, the same could happen when you take uh, an immune supporting supplement like monolaurin, right? And to avoid that uncomfortable die off um, reaction, the concept here is to go low and slow. So you start with maybe one, one capsule and you do it once a day or maybe every other day, depending on your sensitivities to um, the supplements, or there's a lot of factors, age, weight, diet, et cetera, but start low and you sort of listen to your body, right? And slowly increase the intake of monolaurin over time. And so you get to a, a dosage that you think is appropriate for you, your body, your lifestyle, right? So that's the first concept. The second one is a, just a maintenance concept. Just like as we, as we said earlier, I take a multivitamin every day for my overall health and well-being. Well, I take monolaurin every day for my overall health and well-being. Um, monolaurin does not contribute to antibiotic resistance. Uh, the research is very clear. Monolaurin does not, uh, unlike wide spectrum antibiotics, does not impact negatively your gut flora. Mm -hmm. So look, the, the vast majority of your immune uh, system and, and your sort of immune health comes from your gut. When you take wide spectrum antibiotics, you're, you're wiping out all this healthy gut bacteria, right? And it takes weeks or months to regenerate it, right? And get back to a, a place where where, where it was before the antibiotics. And uh, research again suggests that monolaurin does not uh, impact uh, the healthy gut bacteria. So it, it should be safe to take uh, uh, daily. And the third concept here is, you know, you sort of, uh, just like you might take a little bit more vitamin C or zinc when you feel like you're getting a scratchy throat or a cold coming on. Well, people can choose to take monolaurin in a similar fashion and just take more when they feel like they're, they need the additional immune support. So those are the three uh, ways to take monolaurin after you, after you found the brand that that you like, and uh, yeah, and again, like the, these concepts are all out outlined really well in monolaurinandmore.com. Thank you so much, Damon. This was a fantastic interview. I know, of course, uh, your website will. I know you. I know you say you're not here to promote, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Your website will be available in the show notes. I think this is gonna be zikahealth.com/slash. Manolorin is think I think why I'm going with it, but who knows? I might change my mind. The, 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 um, the show notes will be description of the show anyway. So with that being said, we're going to head out of here and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.